question which people like to ask. Torah allows a person to have more than one wife. Not the other way around, obviously. The Torah doesn't allow a lady to have more than one husband. We find that not only we find that the Torah allows it, we find some of the greatest people in Kali Yisrael did have either more than one or even multiple wives. You know, Ram Avinu was married to Sarah Man as well as Hagar. You know, the David Melech, the Apostle tells the name of six wives that he had. And besides that, according to the Gemara, he had even more. So we see that in the, the Gemara, there wasn't, I mean, in the Torah, there wasn't an issue, there wasn't an issue in having more than one wife. Where did the restriction begin from? Not even from the Gemara. It was a restriction of Rabbi Nagashim, who was the first of the Ashkenazi Rishonim, who really his word carried way throughout the lands of Ashkenaz. He was, was, was one of his three Takonis, was that a man is not a one wife. How long he made this Takona for is the debate in the Poiskin. If he made it for all time, or he made it, for, he made it limited to a certain length of time. There are those shit in the post in Mohal that was only made for a thousand years. And uh, if that's the case, it's been more than a thousand years since the Revelation, so does this Takana still have validity? Um, even if that would be the case, the post can only bring out the ones close to Makabla on themselves, and then the Khair, we, we we're not going to change if you're Makabal, but the question is what's, this, what's the Khaymer, what's the severity involved? And why does the Torah allow it? In other words, we understand that the Torah doesn't allow it more than one husband, that's Mamish, that's Ashishish. It's one of the most common forms of a rice. We understand that lady's loyalty is only meant to be to her husband. So why would it be different than the other way around? One we say that loyalty should be exclusive both ways around, and that uh, not only is there Israel involved, but it was even mutter. It was even mutter for a man to more than one wife. Now, so let's look at it from the Torah's perspective. It's true, we're not justifying polygamy today. Obviously, it's against halacha. He passed the Kabbalah Gershom, and uh, not only that, it's considered a Dov Chomer that the Kedushin probably won't even take effect. But it's uh, the principle, at least, we have to explain what was the case in the time of the time. And I'm going to give you a marshal to explain it. Which is, the marshal we will understand. But let's start with that, because it's something which we can relate to, and then maybe you can understand why the Torah saw it in the same context. Let's look at it in the setup, even today, of every normal family, where you'll have one father or one mother and lots of children. Now, in that setup, we don't have a problem of saying a parent can have lots of children, but we do have a problem that a, children, a child can have lots of parents. And now, you have a father and a mother. You can't have multiple fathers and multiple mothers. There's no such Matthias. The Matthias is that uh, every, every child only has one father or one mother, but that doesn't work the other way around. It doesn't mean that any parent can only have one child. There could be a father who has many children. But So in other words, when it comes to the relationship of father to child, it's not restricted to numbers. We don't say that because you have one child, you can't look after a second child. You can't love a second child. You can't take care of a second child. That, that way around, it doesn't work. But to say the other end, I mean, it's a physical impossibility. But we understand that it means a child can only have one father. So, it's in, just in the Matthias session created the world, when it comes to parents and children, it, it, from the child's point of view, it's a one-way relationship. They can only have one father. And from the parents of you, it's not like that. Like, they have lots of children. It doesn't take away their ability to be a parent to each one of them. What's the difference? What's the difference? 
so the principle of Vakus. Let's look at the spiritual concept first. Just understand the idea. And then we'll translate it. And praise Hashem, bring it back to the case of marriage. So the Yisrael is like this. The idea in Ruchnius of a father to a son, a parent to a child, is that when there's a certain level of Shef Hashem sends down to the world, the stage that goes through. And the person who receives it at the end, the question is where the stage is that it came to him from. So this is first start on that. Rukhni level, whichever Adam Elion begins from, it comes down to this world. And even here, in this world, so what a person gets is really through the, at least as a child, what they get is through their parents. Not independently. When a person's an adult, and they, so to speak, have, the, have a connection in their own right, so they get on their own. When they're still a child, and they're totally on their parents, they get via their parents. And if that's the case, we understand why often in Chazal we find an idea that parents suffer for their, uh, children suffer for their parents are various, or if, uh, uh, what, a, what a child gets is based on who his parents are. And the reason is, is because as long as he's a child, and therefore he doesn't have his own connection yet, Milamalo, the Edson he's getting through the agency of his parents. And it's understood, just like we understand, if Hashem wants a child to eat, he has to give the father money to support him. The son isn't independent yet, financially, that he's going to get in his own. So if whatever he's meant to get, he's going to have to go derech the father, because how is Hashem going to get it to him? And understand in a Rukhni sense as well, whatever the child's going to get, is derech the father. Now, therefore, from the child's point of view, can he have more than one more than one mahalach of who he's getting from? No. There's a mahalach just like his neshama came from a certain place, where the chef he's getting was came from a certain place. So as the recipient, he can only have one address who he's receiving from. That's how he's connected. But, from the father's point of view, he's in the, he's in the position now of the one who's his acting to bring down Shepherd to the child is not limited to one. He's not limited to one. He can have many. He's now a source of Shepherd, which is now being the conduit, which brings to each of his children. Just like he's a, all the Shamas came down through him, same thing as long as they're still children, all what they're getting is coming down through him. And that's not a problem, because that's a, a way to bring, you act in the capacity of the Mashpia, of the one who's giving down. So there's no reason you can't give to a number of people. And in, in any sense, it's like that. In order to be makabal, you have to. You can only have one place to be makabal from. But in order to be mashpia, you can mashpia. And however many people it is that you go to mashpia on, then Hashem will increase the amount He gives you. And we always say the matter of giving stalker, the matter of giving stalker, why it, it, a person gets more by giving stalker is because the more that you become the pipeline through which other people get, the matter Hashem will send more through you. You now a source to give to lots of other people. And therefore, then I'm not just getting b'schus myself, I'm getting b'schus all the people that I'm taking care of. Sometimes the father isn't just chai, he doesn't just have b'schus atzmai. Hashem is giving for all the children that, he, that are under his control, that he's looking after. And therefore, in the capacity of the mashpir, you can be mashpir a lot. In the case of makal, we're going to makal from one place. It's not shaykh more. Okay. When we're talking at this level, we're talking about a person's sham, where it comes from. So that's okay. So it can only come from he only has one nesham. It has to come from one source. So remember, the child can only have one father. Masha and Cain, his father can have many children. Now, if you take this upper step, 
emphasis, it's a, let's look at the relationship between Hashem and Kali Yisrael. Ba'as is only one Hashem. There's only one Hashem. There's only one source. To think or believe differently to that is a very desire. There's no other source. There's no other place you can get from except for Hashem. Ke'atah Hashem Movino. Or Hashem Echol, whatever possible you want to use. Right? There's only Hashem. Does that mean that if there's only one Hashem, Hashem can only give one person? No, there are millions of Yidin. Hashem is giving everybody. Hashem is giving the whole world. He's not restricted. Because Mithar Hashem is the Mashpia, He can give to everything. He's the source where everyone gets from. Mitzidenu as the Makabal, as the one who's receiving, so there has to be a, there's only one, we have to look back to where we're receiving from, there's only one source. So therefore there can be millions of Yidin. That, that doesn't, there's no limit in that. But there can only be one Hashpah, one beginning point where they're all being Makabal from. And that's the Chaim Rav Avedazara. The Chaim Rav Avedazara is, is to see a second entity, Chasashon, except for Hashem, where a person thinks it's being Makabal from. That doesn't exist. Larry doesn't exist as a, in the, a, a something except from or besides for Hashem. You can't even, there's not even concept of Shetuf. It's also even to think of something that is uh, Hashem in, as well as something else. There's nothing else. Ainu Mabadim means there's only Hashem, and that's what it has to be, because if you're talking where something begins from, there's only one starting point, there's only one source. And the only source of Kodesh Baruch Hu, and therefore everything is receiving has to receive from that source. And therefore, to a smaller level, and this is part of the reason why the mitzvah of Kibbut Avayim is compared to the mitzvah of Kodesh Shemaim, is because the person, in seeing Kodesh Baruch Hu as the source of everything, then there's nothing else. No matter everything comes from Hashem. And if a person who sees that Batsim in his individual level, whatever he's getting through, again, we're talking to a child first, but whatever he's getting is coming by his father, then that's the only, the only avenue he has to take. There isn't something else. So therefore, the, as, when, you, when you're looking as a Makabal, you can only have one place to get from. When you're looking as a Mashpia, you can be Mashpia or not. You're a high, a, at a higher stage in the line, so to speak, of transfer, you can give to whoever it's going to be that uh, underneath you, you can give to. If we talk about the king, here also, there will only be one melech. Uh, you, can't, uh, you can't have two melech, you can't have two kings of one crown. There will only be one king. But he's the king over a lot of people. He's the king over a whole population. Why? Because the same principle. The, the king acts as the, the interim point through which the sire, which is the, let's say, the malach in charge of that nation, gives the nation. But it comes through the king. Which means everyone's getting from him. And if everyone's getting from him, so then they can only have one source they're getting from. But Mitzidai, he's doing Mashpia and all of them. Okay. And that was Akdam. Now, based on this understanding, the Torah is explaining to us the concept of Shefa from a man to a lady. The Torah is saying the concept of Shefa from a man to a lady, and it works in the same framework. It works in the same framework. For those of us who have learned of Kabbalah, we've heard these words before. But the Matthias is, is that even before we talk about here the relationship between men and women in the world, the concept of Zachar and Akeva in its spiritual sense is the one's Mashpia and the other one. The man is always called a Mashpia and the man is always called a Makabah. And we're not talking about the physical sense, we're talking the Ruchni sense. When we're talking the Ruchni counterpart of the idea of the Zachar and the Akeva, the Atzim, the Akeva is Makabah from the Zachar. She's Makabah the life from him. She's Makabah the Chiyas from him. She's Makabah the Das from him. Whatever level we're going to talk about, the concept is that, that there's a Mashpia and a Makabal, and on that level too, we talk about one Mashpia and two Makabal. The terminology of Kabbalah is called Yaakov, is a Zachar, and Rachel and Leah are called the Makabas, but it doesn't make a difference. It's not just talking about the physical person, Yaakov, and his two wives, Rachel and Leah. 
But the idea is that there's a, when there's a concept of transfer of Shefa, there's only one source, and that's Hashem. And it has to go stage by stage from that. And if you go in the worlds of Ruchnius, we get to the stage which we call Yaakov in the level of Ruchnius, and now he's Mashpir on Tuna Kavis. How does it work? And the answer is exactly this point. Shefa can come from one source, but it can be Mushpa, it can be transferred to more than one source. Okay. That's also in the relationship between us and Akadish Baruch. We sometimes use the analogy of a father to children, in which case, like we said, there's one father, there's Hashem, and lots of children's whole of Israel. We sometimes use the relationship of a chassan to a kaida. And here again, it's going to be the same thing. Akadish Baruch is the chassan, and Kaisra collectively have a kaida. Are there lots of people involved? There's no many for that. There's no problem in Ruchnius for that, because it means that there's a Sherish where things are coming from and going to. And the other way around, the other way around, we call Eshes Ish. So the Torah equates Eshes Ish with Avodah Zarah, in lots of places. In lots of places, because that's the same mistake. The same mistake, that if for the Makabal to look for something different than the Sherish they meant to Makabal from, is uh, the same mistake as someone looking for a different source in Russia. So therefore, it works both ways. Sometimes the Torah calls of a desire. It's, it's calls of a desire like being a knife. Like a person says of a desire is like is somebody who's novi. Uh, a few times calls Rachel who being idolatrous to an ish, a lady who's, who's committing adultery. But the guy is tasnonel and they call ma'avel. Right. So in one place, the Yemiyanovios does it. Naichis. It's also we find a number of references to committing of a desire is similar to adultery. And the other one we find as well. Somebody who is nichshal in Arayas, so it's created by the Vedazar. The comparison goes both ways, and it's both the same mistake. And that is that to try and change the makam or the makar, which a person meant to recover from, for something different, is, a, is this, the same sherish, the same root of the problem, which is both by Vedazar and by Arayas. Was that Adam would rule over her? I wasn't talking about where she would get her hashbar from. Because even before that, Chava was created from Adam. So she came from him even before she did anything. Right? The idea that he'd rule her is a different point. In the Gemara in the Arabian, it's a different discussion. Which way it was the man rules over the lady, it's a different discussion. But the fact that she comes after him, you know, from him, that was her original creation. So that, that's the basic point. So that's why in the Hashkafa level, can we understand why there wouldn't be a problem with the lady having two wives? We can understand uh, with the man having two wives. We can understand it very well. The problem is on the emotional level. Right? If a relationship is meant to be exclusive between a husband and a wife, so how did ladies manage before when they had to share their husband with somebody else? So before we try to answer the question, I want to make an observation. I want to make an observation. And that is, if you look at the story Let's say, of, who would we call the ideal Jewish couple? The paragon. The prototype of what we want the Jewish marriage to be. I think it often, as most things, we look to Ramavid and Sari men. In everything, they are ancestors, they are role models. And if you look at that example, someone asks the question, who wanted the second wife? <coughs> who asked for it? Abraham asked for it or Sarah asked for it? It wasn't what Abraham wanted. It was Sarah wanted it. Sarah thought it would be a source of schos for her, and she asked Abraham to marry, to marry Hagar. And then later on she says, Abraham, I don't want you to marry Hagar. So Hagar said, she's yours, do whatever you want. It wasn't coming from Abraham. It wasn't that he's, he said, well, we haven't had children for so many years, maybe I should find somebody else. It didn't come from Mikhtar. Sarah approaches Abraham, and she says to him, take my Amasi, 
Okay, I couldn't marry her. And my ulai bonen mimeno. Maybe because I'll have children. Which means, when you see afterwards, when she's upset about it, sometimes they take her back. It was Sarah's call, not Abraham's call. So we're going to ask the question, like, why would a lady want her husband to have a second wife? We're really not making it a general question. We're focusing the question directly on Sarah Mena. She asked for it. And if you're going to go further down the Nach, Rachel and asked for it also. They asked for it as well. Rachel asked Yaakov to marry Bila, and they asked Yaakov to marry Zilpah. And again, it wasn't coming from Yaakov. He wasn't asking to marry more ladies. They were. So the same question. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? If, if the relationship was meant to be something which was meant to be exclusive, why would Sarah give up something which was unique between her and Avram, or just between the two of them, to bring Hagar into the picture? And it's not denying what the Gemara says, that, a co- that co-wives, if you want to call that, what the Gemara calls Tsaros, don't like each other. There's a certain competition, there's a certain jealousy. That uh, everyone wants to feel that uh, every lady wants to feel that, that her husband is hers, and the fact that there's somebody else in the picture for sure is going to cause for this lack or competition between the two of them. Okay, so that's okay. So why would they most do it? Why would they most do it? Where, where, where was the reason for that? So the answer is like this. Even in the Gemara, it says there's a disclaimer first. We find that it wasn't a good idea always to take two wives. For exactly this reason. It wasn't also, but it wasn't a good idea if it's going to cause a situation where it's going to cause conflict between them. No one wants to have a, no one wants to have a meriva, we have an ongoing fight in their own house between, uh, if they've married two wives between the two of them. So what would the reason for it be? So in the case of Sari Maino, or the case of Rachel, for that matter, we see it as a sacrifice. A sacrifice. Sarah understood, as well as Avram, how important it was to have a child. And therefore, for her, it was a certain level of sacrifice. I'm going to give up the level of connection which I have with Avram Avinu, and then I'm to marry, asking to marry somebody else for the sake of having a child. It was important enough to her that there should be amateurs of Israel, now, there was something she was willing to give up on first. What was she prepared to sacrifice for it? This is her new sign. No one asked her to do it. It wasn't like Avram was pushing her that please let me marry someone else. But from her point of view, she was willing to, 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 to be mostly nefesh in, in the sense that uh, and, and ask Avram to marry Hagar because she understood that that would be maybe a way either as a schos, Hagar actually seems to learn, that as a schus of giving up my relationship with Avram, that I'll let someone else into the house, so to speak, as a second wife, that's a schus I'll have a child in, or even in a practical sense. Maybe I can have children, maybe she can. And if that's the case, there will be children, Avram will have a child. So from, from Sarah's point of view, we see it as a tremendous and serious nefesh. It's tremendous serious nefesh. And now, this is her cheshman. Again, she wasn't commanded to do it, and it wasn't even coming from Avram's suggestion, it was coming from her. But since it was mutter, like we said, in the time of the Torah, a man could be mashpi on two ladies. It wasn't, it wasn't us. Since it was mutter, so now the shayla was for her. Does she want to be, to, to sacrifice, give up so much, in order to continue Kaisha? And if she did that, this was a tremendous chos of hers. Same by Rachel. Rachel also wanted to be a part of Kaisha. And the same thing, she saw she wasn't having children. So she goes to Yaakov and says, do the same thing. The same thing. Take Bela, he now must be the Fanecha. Bela, he banna mimena. 
because then I'll have this chos of giving up something of mine as a, in either the shul of the children, which we call like man, or the source of that, I'll get children, either way around, whichever you want to look at it. So, of course, they also appreciated the value of having their husbands to themselves. The cheshbon would be that is it something which I can be most nefesh for, give up something which is mine, so to speak, in order to in order for some greater purpose. Do we know it? was really most nefesh the first time around which I gave it to Leif. Leif gave Zilpah because she, she saw she had stopped having children after four. And she's the Messiah to have more. So she wants another two. So that's what she gets up. Okay, so we're either way around. So we've answered two out of the three questions. First question was, why is it mutter? Why is there a difference here? It's mutter, it's us. That we spoke about at the beginning. The second question we asked is, why would a lady want to do that? What changed between now and the time of the Torah that now no one wants uh, to share their husband? So then the time of the Torah, or the time of Tanakh, we do find that there was such a concept. So the important point is, you see it came from the lady. In the times in the Torah it talks about it, it came from her. And it was seen as a certain self-sacrifice, what she was going to, so to speak, give up of her own, of herself, in order to, in order to, uh, in the case of the Amos, to continue Klai Yisra. With other time we find, this is by the kings. Uh, and it, Chana. Right. All the Navi tells us is that he loved Chana more, and Chana had no children. He married him, he had no children. What was the question there? We don't, that part of the story we aren't told. But the other time it comes about the kings. About the kings, the Dafka did in the Torah of Allah Yarb Allah Nashi. Allah Yarb Nashi. You know, the Torah doesn't have wives, but not too many. What would be the reason of a king having many wives? So now we have to understand something. And this is something which is important to understand. Because otherwise, you look at the story of Shlema Melech with the wrong perspective. As you know, Shlema had a, a harem of a thousand wives. What was he doing? A thousand wives means it's more than three years until you got to see each one again. Nearly. That's what he did. So we have to understand that there was a Sherish Moshlem was doing, especially because Shlomo was looking to marry, like we know, the daughters of all the kings in all the other countries. And the idea we said before was that the just like the king is, a, so to speak, provides the shepherd, provides the, whatever his country is meant to get um, in the Shemaim. He becomes a source for whatever Klaish becomes a source of Klaish was going to get. Shlomo wanted to extend that influence to other countries also. And how is he going to do that? So, by way of taking the princess of that country, so he made it, he was able to mashpia on those countries too. And that's what he was trying to do. He, like the Zohar explains the Shem he definitely looked to marry all the princesses of every country he could, because he felt this was a way to exert Klaish's influence over more places. And if that's the case, okay, his main wife, like we know, was the mother of Rechaman, was Namamayis. All the other wives he had was in the gather of, it's a way to, so to speak, to increase Klai's Shal Shef over more places, which is what Shlomo felt his mission was to be. If that was the zenith of the power Klai's Shal had, then the way he was going to exert that influence and spread it over other places was by marrying the princess of that country, because that way that would, that would be, so to speak, Meshubit to Shlomo as well. So when it comes to kings, it was a different Hashem, and that's what Tachashem warns the kings, that by you, they can't marry too many ladies. It's a, a, that wouldn't apply to a normal person. But that could be kings, there's a special dinner of the but they are kind of more than, like, what is 18 wives. That was considered, a, but until then, the was massive. Why? Because the cheshman the of a king in marrying was different to the cheshman of every individual. Right? Regardless of that, there was another cheshman also. And that's the last thing I'll think about. 
And that is the Pasuk in Yermia. And that is the time of the Khurban. Uh, when the time of either the famine at the time of the Khurban was learning to eat. Or the, the danger that every unmarried woman was scared that she would be violated by the greatest soldiers. So the Pasuk says the ladies came running to the man and said, Just marry us. Just call us if you just said we should be called married to you. There was another Nakoda also, and that is and this is something to develop more, but just to understand the world that was. That we see in the Ksuvas that the lady had to be given a Ksuva. Why? Because she couldn't get the house. There was no way for her to go make money. So a lady in that position, right, she was better off marrying somebody, even if you wouldn't be an only wife, because at least then she'd have a source of Pranasa. At least there's someone to look after her. At least there's someone to protect her. And in a world like that, so then like it says, the, the ten ladies were holding to one man and say, just marry us. So we should be called married, that, that way we aren't Hefka. And there's a certain Cheshwin also, of course, that, that, that's part of the Puranas. Of course it's part of the Puranas. In an ideal sense, when uh, everyone has enough Shefa and everyone's living with uh, and peace and prosperity, of course. And most times we find there was one, each, each person married one only once. We don't find Moshe Ben had more than one wife. Even that not so too long, but we don't find other Gdalim at more than uh, that period, Shmulanavi, whatever it was, had more than one wife. Right? But in the time of Puranas, then there was a real need for it. Because the fact that someone would marry a lady would, first, she should have a protection, and second, she should have Imagine, it obviously wasn't this, but imagine if there had been such an edict, with like a time of the Khurban, imagine Nazi Germany would have been something similar. And that is that a married woman is Pratsa. And so, of course, anyone would just want to be married because that would get them out of the, out of the punishment. So at the time of the Khurban, what happened was that was the case. Nebuchadnezzar told the soldiers, Hashem hates Aishasish. So any married ladies of Pans, anybody else to do that? And therefore they came running to ask them just to beg people, men to marry them, just so they shouldn't be Hefka. They shouldn't be... So the Romans cared if they were married? The Babylonians cared if they were married. That's the Gemara first. And then knew that, that would be, if, if his soldiers would be involved with a married woman, that would be a big, uh, so to speak, reason to, for them not to be successful. And therefore, in times like that, in a period like that, then the fact that a man was allowed to marry more than one lady was a hatsada for the ladies. Either this was protection for them or this was their pronosis. They had someone to feed them, someone to look after them. Well, the next 